you're listening to Politics Explained. Back to basics in the political sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde, and we've got Tane Webster on for our Politics Explained, Back to the Basics in the Political Sandpit. Wow, we're going to have an extended time because in a funny way, so much is happening, and yet nothing is happening. And so we're going to cover off what's been going on behind the scenes, not because we know, but because we can surmise. And what are the likely scenarios <clears throat> that can play out uh, for this government? And I should say that we have no special expertise other than that um, myself. Well, you're an expert, Rodney. Well, I have done it. You know, I've been involved in coalition negotiations and I know the parameters and I know a little bit about how it works. But I, but it it's not necessarily this past experience is not necessarily the best predictor of what can happen. So it's not like I know what's going to happen, but I know what's going on. Do you want to know what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what are some of the different options. Actually, we had someone send in a link, actually, and they were, this is part of why we're, we're discussing this. They sent in a link from the Kiwi blog, and they said, what's Rodney going on about in the comments here? He's saying, I'll read it out. You said to someone, the question for me is, why would Winston join with National? His price will be high. It's a bad situation for Mr. Luxon and ACT, either way, in or out. And then this person, New Zealander in exile, comments, what kind of high price do you think, Rodney? And you said maximum opportunities for Winston to dictate to Luxon. Yes. Well, first of all, let's cover off what's going on behind the scenes. The answer is nothing. Nothing. They're waiting until the specials are finished, right? They're waiting. Well, Winston is waiting. Act and National will be desperate to put a government together. If Act and National could have done it together, we would have a government today, right? Because they want to get off to a flying start. They want to look good and strong, and they want to look like they've got a proper government. So they would nut it out, and they've been talking before the election, and they would have it nutted out, and they'd have uh, ministers announced, cabinet sworn in, and they'd do some business in Parliament before Christmas. Uh, and what they the, what that would do is you do some serious stuff that they agree on, reversing some of uh, Labor's outrageous. And what that would mean is we'd go off to our Christmas break, particularly business, which does a lot of planning over the Christmas break. They're thinking of the year ahead, you know, CEOs and board chairman and board members. What, what do we do for the coming year? And the new government would want to look like they're into the business of running, into the business of heading off New Zealand into a, a new direction. However, every experience I've had with Winston Peters, both negotiating with him and then watching him negotiate, is he's a fantastic negotiator because he doesn't. So he doesn't negotiate, right? It's an extraordinary power that he has. Because everyone's desperate. I'm, I'm going to sound rude about Mr. Peters here, but it's partly his superpower, right? <laughs> his superpower is his belief in himself and his belief that things revolve around him. 
So everyone is feeling a bit of insecurity and desperate to prove to the world that they've got a good government and that Mr. Luxon's a good prime minister and Mr. Seymour's a good support partner and they've got the country's best interests at heart. And Winston won't be talking to them. And he'll just be saying, well, you know, there's 20% of the vote still to count. Let's wait till that's counted. And they'd be saying, yeah, 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 but we can talk about the options. No, I'm just waiting. And what that does, he'll be off riding his horses. You know, that's his radio. What that does is give him more power. Yeah, because eventually it means that when that's, I mean, I'm predicting because I'm not a pro, but is it meaning that when he gets closer, the longer the longer it takes, the more pressure Luxon is under to Absolutely. figure this out? Absolutely. Luxon's desperate now. I mean, his his team have, according to, according to the media, won the election on Saturday night, and yet he's not been, you know, he hasn't been sworn in, the Governor-General hasn't accepted him, there is no government. Chris Hipkins is still Prime Minister and will be Prime Minister until Chris Luxon can ring the Governor-General and say, I've got the numbers for confidence and supply. Now, he's got to get Winston on board because otherwise he's got a one-seat or two-seat or maybe a no-seat, which means he can't do it. He's on a very slim margin. Uh, for government, and every time there's the next poll that comes out, if it dips for him, it'll say, oh, the government already has got less votes than the opposition combined because Winston then becomes part of the opposition. And his poll counts with the Maori parties, the Green Party, and the Labour Party, and they'll quickly be surpassing him, and he looks a weak government, he won't be able to do anything. So he needs desperately to get Winston and to get New Zealand first, uh, to get ACT uh, on board. But I can't see Winston wanting to do that because the more desperate Mr. Luxon is, the more uh, power Mr. Peters has. And if you're in politics, that's the whole point, right? And, of course, in many ways, Mr. Peters has got his best shot at power now because the prime minister needs him, right? He needs him to sign something. He needs him to sign a piece of paper. Now, what is ACT doing? I've got to say I've got no special insight here. Again, I, I don't know anyone inside ACT or I don't have any ties or conversations with anyone inside ACT. I I basically left politics and um, I wanted to leave politics cleanly and get on with another way of living life, which I did. And of course, on top of that, with the COVID experience, I renounced, denounced all parties in parliament. So I have no special insight, but ACT's in a tricky position too, because if Winston's not in the mix in this negotiation, David Seymour would be silly to be busy negotiating with Chris Luxon because, again, he's handing all the power and the veto to Winston. So I think David Seymour will be standing aside too, right? Because um, Winston will come along and then dictate to the both of them. And Mr. Seymour's on record for saying that he won't sit around the cabinet table if Mr. Peters is sitting around the cabinet table. Right? So I think 
Everyone is extremely frustrated, except Winston. I saw this in 1996 when Mr. Peters took something like six weeks to form a government, and then to everyone's horror, went with Labour. Uh, national. Sorry, I got there in the way. Everyone had just assumed that Helen Clark had won. It was the same thing on this election night. Back in 1996, I guess you could be excused because it was the first MMP election. Everyone declared Helen Clark the winner. She's on the front page, you know, the new prime minister. No, it was MMP. And after the six weeks of negotiations, Winston announced that he was going with National. I've never seen anyone so angry as Michael Cullen was that day because he was he'd he'd spent six weeks thinking he was minister of finance and they went in and negotiated with winston on that basis whereas mr bolger went in and negotiated with winston desperate to get him across the line and of course was prepared to do more on that basis it never occurred to labor that winston peters was going to go with national because he'd campaigned against them so um He's taken six weeks and get how the country was going berserk. Um, it's quite funny to me that we're not going berserk at the moment because... Well, it's early days, I guess, people sort of... Yeah, well, then you get into a bit funny thing because it's November the 3rd. What's that? 16 days, more than two weeks away. So you've had an election. You're going to have three weeks till all the votes counted and then they can start negotiating. But then why wouldn't... Someone say, oh, well, there's Port Waikato, right? And Port Waikato might change things. I mean, the special votes might change things. Port Waikato might change things. So that, I think, is, what is it, the 25th or 26th of November or something. I doubt they will. I think even Winston would think people's patience would be pushed at that point. So we're going to go three or four weeks with um, the Prime Minister um, still being Chris Hipkins in a caretaker role. He'll be consulting with Chris Luxon and, if he can, Winston and David Seymour about what they're doing. Uh, it'll be minimal. That takes us through, say, 3rd of November. You might form a government a week and a week with negotiations. You call Parliament together. You won't have been able to agree much if Winston's on board like to do in their legislative period so i suspect we'll have a government before christmas and not much action in parliament parliament will be called government sworn in and everyone say thank god we've got a government thank god we've done it and then they'll run away and nothing will start until end of january first week of feb amazing right and of course time moves fast when you're in politics because if you don't have your legislation up and running in that first six months you're out of time if you're a minister you know because you just can't get it all done you can't get it on the legislative agenda all the rest of it like this is just tick 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 because of the process so um i think mr luxon is going to become apparently weak because when he's asked about things he's going to have to say no comment because he 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 can't say anything because he doesn't want to upset david seymour or winston peters he doesn't want to upset any potential for negotiation 
He can't rule anything out or anything in. He can't even organize his own MPs as to who's going to be a minister. Because Winston Peters might want some of his MPs to be ministers in these particular slots. See how tough it is? Unbelievable. What do you make of uh, the ACT Party's treaty referendum? Because I've just double-checked at a Google search. The uh, Chris Luxon dubs it divisive and unhelpful. This is, uh, not, I'm surprised, a little bit surprised about that. You know, why would he try and push back on something so obvious that a lot of New Zealanders would support, especially those on the right, quote-unquote? Because Chris Luxon sees his job is to occupy not just the centre of New Zealand politics, but a little bit of the centre-left of New Zealand politics. Yeah, yeah. And he also sees that his job is not to upset journalists and not to upset radicals. And so, again, that's a weakness. So even if it was a good policy, if it's going to cause an upset, that was why John Key never reversed the anti-smacking bill despite there being a referendum and it overwhelmingly in favour, mm. right, which is terrible. But he just didn't want to upset anyone at the start of his premiership, nor will, nor will Mr Luxon. So he doesn't want controversial things. And, of course, Mr Peters and Mr Seymour want controversial things. I say their surnames and speak to them referentially, not, not out of a obsequiousness or formality, but just to not be derogatory or to suggest that I have a friendship with them that I don't. You know what I mean? Like if I start yeah, calling yeah. them David and Winston, it suggests that I've been on the phone to them and I haven't. Um, so that's that's the first thing. Then there comes the second thing, Tane. So this is this is it's this managing this expectation of election night media declaring it a National Party victory when it wasn't, because they don't understand that it's MMP, even though this is our 10th MMP election. And they made the mis- they make this mistake every election. They declare a winner. And often there isn't a winner, because there has to be a negotiation. A government has to form. In the limit, and I don't think this is a possibility, but the way the cards could fall, is that Winston could potentially form a government with the Greens, with the Maori Party, and the Labour Party. In 2005, we had a loss. The National Party was declared to be a total defeat. I spoke to Don Brash on election night. I said, do not rule out doing a deal with the Maori Party. I was very friendly with Tariana Turia. I spoke to her and Peter Sharples. I spoke to Peter Dunn. We had a meeting. And we had a meeting with Winston Peters to put a government together. No one knows that. In 2005, Don Brash could have been Prime Minister. 
we had the numbers if Winston Peters agreed. He didn't disagree, day one. He talked to us. We had a good discussion. He thought we'd put together a highly improbable collection because Don Brash had run on the Iwi Kiwi and here we had the Maori Party talking. Yeah. And Peter Dunn and the Act Party. And we were talking to Winston, or Mr. Peters, as I should say. So, Mr. Peters will be wanting to be in a position to talk to Labour. He would have used that conversation and he would have met with us to strengthen his hand with Helen Clark. Right? Because he said, well, I've got options. <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> I could be um, I could be a minister in the government. Either way. I could win a lot of policy. Either way. You are either prime minister or you're not. And if you want to be prime minister, here are some things I need for my party. You see my point? So it's quite possible for that to happen, and you shouldn't rule it out, and you shouldn't rule out that behind the scenes such a discussion will be taking place. We kept that discussion amazingly secret. No one knew about it. The media just never occurred to the media that that could be going on. So um, bear in mind that's a possibility uh, that, you know, <laughs> Chris Hopkins could be Prime Minister stuff. No. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem bizarre? Yeah, I think the thing is, no, no, no. It's a safe you, you, assumption that that's not going to happen. Well, it was a very safe assumption in 1996. For six weeks, that Helen Clark was going to be prime minister. It was just a matter of time. What were you doing in 1996, Danny? I was playing outside as a four year old should. <laughs> yeah. So this has a history, and everyone, everyone was baffled by six weeks to form a government, and then no one, I repeat, no one could believe it that Winston had went with National. It caused a riot, literally, and it was a terrible government. It just fell to bits. It crumbled from the, from the get-go. However, it happened. So, staying on then, so that's a possibility. It's an extreme outside possibility, and I suspect um, maybe Mr. Hipkins and the Greens just say, a bold and brave and say, well, we're better off out of it and we're better off to stay in opposition and we're better off to leave Winston Peters with those dirty gnats. But I imagine if Mr. Peters called them, they would meet with him. Mm. So what are our options? Well, the, what, what, you, what Mr. Luxon wants is a detailed coalition agreement with each of the minor parties, that is to say, ACT and New Zealand First, where he gives a couple of them makes a couple of them ministers in each party and agrees to some of their policies and he announces a government. That's what he wants. Because if they're in cabinet, they're on the team. He probably wants them, and this will be the advice he's getting, that he keeps them as what is called ministers outside cabinet. This is a very important thing. There's a huge difference between a cabinet minister and a minister outside cabinet. Now, when I was minister, I was a minister outside cabinet. And at the time, you think it doesn't mean much. It means a lot. Because a cabinet minister attends every cabinet 
right? A minister outside cabinet only attends if there's an issue being discussed that concerns his or her portfolios. And it's on the sort of invitation of the prime minister, who's the chair of the cabinet. So what that allowed to do, this was very, very clever. This allowed John Key to mostly run cabinet as a national party cabinet. And he could have the Maori ministers along from the Maori party and the ministers along from the ACT party when it suited him or when they would have a chance. You'd literally may only turn up for half an hour of a cabinet or not turn up at all. So he's going to want them as ministers outside cabinet. So they're sort of part of government. No one knows the difference, but it allows him to plot and plan. And that's basically how John Key was able to go behind my back and do things like form a Maori statutory board with the Maori party without me knowing because I wasn't at the meetings, right? So he will be wanting them to be ministers outside cabinet. What do they want to do? Well, here's the options for New Zealand First and for ACT. I think I can guess ACT's preference. ACT's preference will be to have what's called a confidence of supply and no ministers. They will forego what Mr. Peters calls the baubles of office. They won't get the pay. They won't get the staff. They won't get the fancy cars. And they won't be ministers. And they will sit on the crossbenches. I have done that in the ACT Party when Jenny Shipley became Prime Minister and Winston Peters left the government. Mrs Shipley didn't have the numbers. She had to come to the ACT Party for the numbers and conference supply. We gave it to her in writing so the Governor-General didn't need to call an election, but we never went into her cabinet. And in return, you got what? Must have got some good stuff across the line or what? No. Because at the time, we said, before this happened, the country was heading into an early election, a snap election, because Mr. Peters was having a moment where he was leaving and upset. And we instantly said, Mrs. Shipley's got nothing to worry about. We will supply the numbers so the government can rest easy or the, the country can rest easy. This was causing, you know, turmoil in people's planning. Like, is there going to be an election, an early election? No one knew because Mr. Peters was threatening to leave and in the finish he sacked him. God knows how many times Winston's been sacked from government. So uh, we just gave them the numbers on the basis that we felt it was a good thing to do for the sake of the country. And so we never extracted a price. We just wanted to ensure that we had a government for three years that was stable and then people could go into a, a general election properly. And we also wanted to show that we could be a steadying force um, in Parliament because at that, that time, you know, people were wanting the ship steadied. Now, what that meant was every piece of legislation going through Parliament 
had to get the agreement of the ACT Party. Can you imagine what that's like? You're a minister working on an important piece of legislation that's to do with policy. You want to get it through uh, Parliament. At what stage do you invite the ACT Party in? Probably early on, right? And then they start saying, I don't like this bit. Or what about adding this? And you can get to the last hurdle and they say no. Now, I think that's where ACT would like to be. Right. Because it's extremely powerful. Or you say, yes, I'd agree to that legislation, but we haven't yet removed that therapeutics bill, ACT. So we'll agree to this if that goes. Make it a part of this. You know what I mean? That's an extremely powerful position. You don't have the baubles of office. You don't direct the department. You don't get the steady stream of advice from officials. You only get it if ministers allow it, but they probably will when they want legislation passed. So ACT could give Christopher Luxon just conference to supply and then hold every piece of legislation up. That would see Mr. Peters in government with the baubles of office, right? And for that, he would win some policies, but then that's it. But of course, all legislation has got acts say-so on it or not, including Winston's. And I don't think Winston would like that. So what if he tries to also do the confidence option? You could do that. You could do that. But, of course, he doesn't have much power then because uh, it's quite probable that with at the moment, with National Act, there would be the numbers. So he drops away. But how weak, how weak is the national government? You get asked an issue. You're the prime minister. You get asked, what are you going to do about this? Well, what I'd like to do is this, but, of course, you know, I'd have to consult with my conference and supply parties before I commit to it. It's probably, better I, for, it's probably better for the country, though, if there's a bit of that, isn't it? Sure, but it's not what we're used to, and we're still mm. trying to graft MMP embedded into our political consciousness, and we haven't. So there's a long way to go in this, right? And there's three moving parts. There's the National Party, there's the New Zealand First Party, and the ACT Party. There are options, ministers in cabinet, ministers outside cabinet, conference supply only. What one party does, it's this business dilemma, will be influenced by what the other party does, right? So this is a tough negotiation. And I don't think Mr. Luxon will be able to get the ACT Party in New Zealand first into the one room and actually have a heart-to-heart, -heart, right, as to what's going to happen. So you can see why I didn't share an election night enthusiasm because <laughs> I was looking at this and thinking we've got a wee while for this to shake down before Mr. Luxon becomes Prime Minister and I'm not sure you're going to get a decisive government out of this because even imagine this. I don't know. 
I mean, I can't think of an instance. But imagine you have a piece of legislation, A, and the ACT Party are for it and the National Party for it, and you've got enough numbers, but Mr. Peters opposes it. It looks bad, right? Or Mr. Peters is for it, National Party's for it, and acts against. It looks bad, and they may not have the numbers to make it pass. Depends on the specials in Port Waikato. So this is this is a lot, up, lot, there's a lot at stake. So there we go, uh, everyone, RCR listeners. This election, the election is over. Yeah, it's not an election day. It's not a night. It's a it's a it's a six Process. week period. Yes, a... and I've got specials still to count. The election is over, but the votes all haven't been counted. We've got all them to count, and then the politicians have to go to work. And all of that will be kept from us. But Tane and I will be gazing into our teapot leaves and discussing it for some time to come. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of options out there on the board, options that we have never heard of or people have never heard of, never discussed. Certainly the legacy media have no idea about and no idea about the implications of it. There you go. You're on Rally Check Radio. Tane, thank you. Thank you always. I did all the talking, but I think it was <laughs> it was one of those things. <laughs> um, that I was, did that on purpose. Yeah, that was politics explained. Uh, back to the basics. Uh, thank you for listening. Send us a text twenty fifty seven. Email us inbox at radiocheck radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're in for an interesting time, as they say. That Chinese curse. You're listening to Politics Explained. Back to Basics in the Political Sandpit with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster.